y'all. Thanks for joining me on another episode of The Road Show. Today I have with me the incredibly talented Canadian-born artist, Will Ardell. But before we get to our talk, let's listen to his single, High on Life. joining me on the road show today will you're very welcome thank you for having me <laughs> no problem okay so you were raised in saskatchewan how did that influence your music uh saskatchewan is a lot of farming and ranching and it's uh it's basically a rural environment that's always influenced my music uh, a lot of it is writing stories about things that have happened to me or things that have happened to other people or just telling right. the stories of uh, a third person perspective. And I think that just the upbringing and the hard work ethics and, and sometimes the struggles of uh, making ends meet, uh, I think that always influenced my music right from a young age. Yeah, I'm sure it did for sure. But you have a dual citizenship, is that correct? I do. I, my mom was uh, from Minnesota originally, and 
our family kind of grew up on the what they call the harvest farm. We'd we'd go down from here, starting at uh, Lucky Lake, Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. and we'd head down to uh, top end of Texas and start cutting wheat and barley and everything all the way back up through the Midwest. Oh wow! And eventually, yeah, we'd eventually get done in Camsack, Saskatchewan, in end of October. And he uh, he had hired kind of a funny story he had hired a couple of her brothers at the time to work for him and then he ended up uh, meeting mom through her brothers and Aww. told her he was going to marry her so when he came back <laughs> and that's what he did so, oh that's so sweet yeah it's one of those romantic stories yes so, yeah, and I came along a year later and of course I think at that time <laughs> you could still apply for dual citizenship right so with mom being from Minnesota and I have the uh, the card for it and everything so Cool. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So what first drew you to country music then? Because it's basically what's played on the radios up here. And, you know, in the environment, I think the music you listen to generally resonates what you do in your real life. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I always was gravitated toward it because, uh, you know, farming and ranching and all of that kind of activities are, are what we did as as a family growing up right so it was just so natural it's just, yeah it's just a natural progression from there mm-hmm. well where did you first play when you first started like really getting into the music it's actually a funny story and I, I I got into it pretty late in life considering you know a lot of times now people are say at five years old oh I was playing this and that <laughs> the next thing fair way to have it well I wasn't that good Oh. I started later on in life, like later teens. I broke my leg. I was guiding. I used to guide huntermen, huntermen, hunters and fishermen. And uh, anyway, I broke my leg that year, oh, so I was no. kind of laid up, laid up for about eight weeks. And my buddy had an extra guitar. He goes, "Why don't you just start fiddling around on it and kill some time?" Right. So I did, and and two years later, I, I practiced enough to learn a few songs, and and the the Southwest Country Music Association in Saskatchewan had a uh, chapter where I was living in that town of Swift Current. So I contacted the, uh, the head of that, and I had told him I had written some songs, you know, and you know, would be willing to join or, or looking to join. And they said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, when, when is your next performance? Like, they do these things as a performance uh, with a bunch of people in the organization to raise money and different things like that. She goes, well, our next one's in this next town down the road here, about a half an hour. Would you like to come with us? You could perform a few. I was like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> so they didn't know where I lived and because my address is kind of like, it's a hard one to get to unless you know where you're going. Oh, yeah. And, and, but they knew where the Dairy Queen was around. <laughs> so she oh, went at the time and said, well, come to this Dairy Queen. I said, oh yeah, I know where that is. She goes, mm-hmm. and it's minus 33 out there with that day. It was cold. as cold could Oh be. gosh. And she goes, well, the bus will be there to pick you up at about 20 after four. And I said, well, just look for a big tall guy in a leather jacket carrying a, <laughs> carrying a guitar case. So yeah, that's the story we always tell is that they basically picked me up when I was thumbing down the road and that's how they called Oh gosh. That was, that was my first gig in in Cabri, Saskatchewan, that I played yeah. with it, and uh, yeah, I was nervous. Oh, I uh, bet. Yeah, I was really nervous, but went well, and I just continued up from there. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's so cool. 
That is so cool. I bet you were really nervous being your first time and everything. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I know there's 12 beer in a pack, and I think I did at least 10 of them. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, whatever it takes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I've gotten gotten a lot better since then. I'm down to eight. Now. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's marginally better for you. Yeah. <laughs> So, who were some of your musical influences growing up, and who still influences your music now? I think growing up, obviously, I listened to a lot of Johnny Cash and Waylon. Yes. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot was one of my uh, favorite ones as a Canadian artist. Uh, and there's obviously George Strait. You can't forget him. I mean, the number mm-hmm. ones, number of singles that he had that went number one is, I think, his best in country music. Yes. Uh, then I got into Jamie Johnson as it was starting to go in the later 90s there. And uh, right now I'm kind of obsessed, obsessed with Jason Isbell. Oh, uh, yes. I am too. He is, he is just a fantastic writer. And mm-hmm. I, always remember, I always remember a story I was told when I started that anybody can paint a picture of the sun, but very few can make you feel the heat from it. Oh. And when you put that into a writer's terms... It's very cool because Jason can make you feel the song. I think between yes, him and Jamie Johnson right now, it's been my two main influences these days. Yeah, I'm going to have to check out Jamie Johnson. I haven't checked out any of his yet. So was there one defining moment when you were like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. This is for me. I think the first time I ever heard somebody or other people sing back one of your own songs. Oh, that, yeah. That's an experience that you don't ever forget, where they had come to see you play, and they were singing the words to the song that was one of my biggest songs at the time, was Make Me a Man, mm-hmm. and you could see them in the front row singing along with every word, and that that's such a cool feeling, no matter where you go in life, you know, to have mm-hmm. that happen to you. I oh think my that gosh, was, yeah, I'm sure. something I've never forgotten. Well, no, you never will. <laughs> no, for sure. Definitely not. So how have you adapted to like touring and life on the road and everything? Uh, I think a lot of times I just try to surround myself with people that are uh, similar to me. Like we're, we're not, uh, we're not hard living. I mean, some nights we have been, but we just try (laughs) to, you know, eat right and, and try to cover as many miles as you can and as many gigs as you can in that time period. I think, The industry's changed quite a bit up up in Canada because you tend to have a tendency to go longer distances. Oh, that's right. So you you try to plan your tours so you can uh, hopefully come out a little bit ahead at the end of the day. And most importantly, I think you uh, reach out to new audiences that uh, haven't heard of you. And that's that's the biggest part of it. Sell merchandise, sell your CDs. Right. I mean, uh, I I don't think any one of us are getting rich by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> but you uh you do it because you love it and exactly to me if you if you can do something like that and even break even or make a little money at the end of the day it's all worth it because everybody hates mondays because they don't like their job and because they're working for someone else's dream yes and if, if your dream is making music you're, you love mondays oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure it makes a big difference yeah so we just keep going and keep trying and I always heard uh, it took 10 years to be an, an overnight success, and I still believe that to be true. Yeah. So has there been any place that you've played that you just really enjoyed and want to keep going back to that place? 
Oh, off the top of my head, I have to say when we played at the Tin Roof in Nashville. Yeah. And I don't know why. I didn't do very many songs that night, but it was just the atmosphere. And I've always said I want to come back there. And uh, hopefully it happens either this winter or the upcoming year. We can do a southern U.S. tour and uh, hit the road and try to get one of those venues in the process. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Oh, yeah, it'd be a blast. And hit Arkansas. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You've got to do that, for sure. Has your family and loved ones been pretty supportive of your career? Yep. Mom and Dad have, uh, have always, well, Dad passed on here in 2009, and I guess that's what spurred me to really start it. Right. He, he passed away fairly young, by all accounts, at 69. Mm. So it was kind of, for me... Uh, just do it when you can, you know. Right. And get out there and try to get your music heard. And yeah, mom's been a great supporter, like my sisters as well. Uh, my extended family too. They've been nothing but great. I think sometimes they want me to slow down a bit, but <laughs> yes, can't slow down when you're having fun. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you got that momentum going. It's hard to hold back. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So your first um, album, it was recorded in Nashville, and it's a double album. Right. So what, um, why did you decide to put out a double album as your first one? Uh, I think because it hadn't been done before. Yeah. And the double album is actually one side of it would be considered country, and the other yes. side would be considered rock, or heavy rock. But I, I looked at it in the sense that all the music I ever listened to as well growing up, I never had one specific genre that, you know, I, I listened to or wrote about even. Yes. So I figured why let that determine that I only put out this style of music. Right. And as an artist, you can paint a variety of different pictures. So why just paint one? And I think that was my decision to say, you know what, I'm going to come out with this. I know it's, at that time, I, I suppose it was pretty brazen to come out with a debut one rock side one countryside yes definitely and i just figured ah i'll go i'll go for it <laughs> what the hell and it so far it turned out well you know and i had a, yeah. i had a bunch of fans that i didn't realize that were there waiting for that so it was pretty cool yeah that is really cool that's really cool and then in 2013 um you received the SCMA Rising Star Award. How did that feel? That was uh, very humbling, and I guess I've never been one to be much on the awards and, and the nominations and stuff. It's it's definitely uh, very appreciated. Yes. Uh, of course, I don't write music in a sense to win awards or to uh, be part of that right. uh, process, but it was very humbling that they considered me worthy enough to win that award and uh, yeah and obviously it was a huge highlight for me I, uh, I never forgot that I had just sat down to get ready for the show basically and I had a drink in my hand and I didn't even get a sip in before they called my name so I had no speech prepared I went up there and, no way you were not uh, expecting I, I, I wasn't thinking I was anywhere going to be anywhere <laughs> near the top to that but uh, yeah then I won and I went up there and Probably stammered out a few words and <laughs> yeah, probably just flew off the stage if my memory serves me. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I bet that was a surreal experience. 
It was, you know, it's, it's an honor to be considered in, with, mm-hmm. amongst your peers. And I think Absolutely. that's the biggest part of it, right? That they thought I was worthy enough to, to receive that award. And I'm still incredibly humbled by it to this day. Yeah. It's a really nice feeling. Well, I'm sure you'll receive more as the years go by. And one never knows, right? You just got to yeah, keep doing know. the thing and keep writing. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so you mentioned earlier that one of your influences was Johnny Cash. You've actually been compared to him before, so that had to make you feel good. Yeah, I think with with the voice, anyway, it's been there's been comparisons, and it's mm-hmm. hard nowadays to not get compared to somebody that came previously. But yeah, it's def, definitely an honor. I was uh, I always looked up to Johnny Cash, even in a sense of his songwriting and his voice and his right. sound, but. In a sense of his social stances on things as well, yes, because um, he was one that you could never, you could never pigeonhole into a certain thing. He would, you would call him country, but then he'd come out with a rock style. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was never one that you could pin down. And I always loved that about him. And he also took stances on, you know, different things throughout his career that I was very uh, in favor of. Right. So what do you do when you're in your downtime, when you're not recording in the studio or playing shows? I do a lot of fishing. I'm a big fisherman. I uh, love to go hunting. I often, well, I've had jobs, you know, to supplement my uh, recording and that. Yeah. Uh, building highway, working construction, or a lot of these uh, typical labor jobs around here and that. And I think I actually find it it's a way to get your mind free and clear of uh, what's bugging you or what's worrying you when you go out there and work and you can come back kind of a refreshed perspective on things. Yeah, that's and a good thing. it's better for your writing to, to just actually take that mental break and go do a day job and and uh, gives a guy a chance just to not stress about trying to find the perfect lyric or the melody and you just right. go out there and do and just go out there and work. But I find hunting and fishing is probably one of the best things I love doing far yeah i'm sure that's good and i'm sure it is really relaxing for you and just to get away and yeah not have to worry about it yeah i was like our farm where i was born and raised we were 20 miles from town in any direction and i I just i love the peace and solitude and and, uh sometimes that's what a guy needs just to recharge yes (laughs) definitely definitely okay on your song make me a man uh, it's a tribute to your father, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. A beautiful song, by the way. I love it. Oh, beautiful thank song. you. Very touching. Yeah, it was, it, was, um, it was a hard one to do, and I don't know if I tell the story any justice anymore, but <laughs> I, had, I had come home. I was, I'd been, and I'm very open about it, I had been doing a lot of drinking or, and uh, cruising around at that age, and doing things that weren't productive and and uh, I came home one night and I was fairly drunk I was still I was still probably about 17 and uh, he was really worried because he'd been waiting up for me all night and, yes and my dad smoked of course and that's where he's sitting there with a cigarette in the chair waiting mm-hmm. for me we're gonna have this talk and and that story was basically mm-hmm. our conversation that uh, drinking whiskey won't make you a man. Right. And so when I sobered up the next day, I wrote that one down. And it was kind of prophetic because I never 
played it for him, but I spoke of his death in the song. Right. And a year and a year later, he passed away, and he had never heard that song live. Oh. So it was very tough to play a song where you speak of somebody passing away, and they actually do pass away. So. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was tough for a while. I didn't take it well, but had some good friends and family around me, and you know, you got through it. Stumbling in, I could see the pain in his eyes that I'd caused again. And through the smoke of a cigarette, he raised his head to me, and I could see the teardrops running down his cheeks. Sits on our bed around, off a sixty-five years I buried some good men that couldn't face their fears it's not the way you raised you when I pray you understand that drinking all that whiskey will never make you
face my fears Even though my life ain't gone according to plan I realize the whiskey never made me And also the video for that song did really well. Yeah, it did, did really well. It was We shot that in Nashville just at the studio where I recorded. Uh, nothing real fancy, uh, just a basic video to go with the song. And mm-hmm. I, I think it was just a combination of lyrics and, uh, and hopefully the emotion in that that resonated with a lot of people. I had a lot of guys come up to me and say that's exactly how it was with my dad. And, of course, they never had a chance to really say, hey, for men, it's always those three, I love you to your father. You just, it's a hard thing to say with men right. and we're coming around, I guess, but <laughs> it's just, uh, it's one thing that it's been tough for a lot of people. And that song maybe made him feel that, that, uh, little sense of peace, I guess. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well, and it's great to just know that your art can touch so many people. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really cool feeling too, and it's not something you can you get every day. Like, no, there's um, there's definitely times I've written songs, and I just think, yeah, that's not probably going to do very well, and somebody <laughs> likes it, but you know, and it's nice though that if you can make a, di- uh, a difference in someone's life right. or make them feel something, that's uh, that's something you can always carry with you. Oh yeah, I find that a real find that an amazing feeling. Very rewarding. Very rewarding, yep. Well, so how was it recording the first time in Nashville? Uh, I was pretty nervous. I really didn't know what to expect. They, uh, the musicians were phenomenal, right? They they come in there and they listen to the song once on my demo and they, they're already pretty well have it nailed down by the third take, you know. It's <laughs> talking quality of musicians that is just yes. beyond my scope. But I was really, really impressed, and uh, it was fun. We know we tried to get involved and in, in going to see some of the nightlife to get inspired down there on Broadway, and and saw some live shows, and right. just tried to do as much as we could in the six days that we were there. And, but we spent a lot of time in the studio. We'd start from about eleven in the morning till it'd be midnight, one o'clock, and then it'd be done. But I, uh, I was really really marked that down on my list of, of things that I'm happy I got to see and be part of. Yes. Sure. So how long did it take you to record the first album since it was a double album? Uh, it was about six days. That's like vocals crazy. And, and guitars. <laughs> yeah. No, we just, like I said, we got I had everything practiced up and yeah. rehearsed. and We went through the pre-production via Skype and everything else. So once we got all the musicians in the studio to actually lay down the basic tracks, before all your mixing and editing and, and mastering it. It was about six days in the studio. All right. Gosh, yeah, that seems really quick. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was quick. It was, we pounded it out. Uh, yeah. But, you know, from one of those experiences, from that experience, I learned how to be better for my next experience. And that one, you know, and, and different things to look for and different things to work on. Whereas the first time, it's you're kind of going into a candy store. You don't know which one to pick. You know, you're just... <laughs> yes. Just a little kid in there, right? So, 
uh, it was a learning experience and a growing one, but I, I was happy with the outcome of it. Oh, yeah, it definitely all works together well. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yes, yes. So on Reckless, then, what did you change up on that one? Uh, Reckless, we, we didn't change a, a, a lot. We went to a gentleman in Toronto named Paul Carroll, mm-hmm. and he had a studio there. And the, the difference this time is that we sat down there with, with the musicians prior to recording, so we had more of a feeling on this on the second album. Okay, yeah. We wanted to have certain feeling for each song instead of just simply playing the, the licks or the bars. Right. And going through the motions to make it sound like it came out of a cookie cutter. We wanted <laughs> to have a little different feeling on it on each song. Um, so that I spent two weeks there this last time. And um, that was where we, uh, we spent a little more time on the songs. We, like Dangerous Eyes, for example, that one wasn't even slated to be on the album. I wrote that song over coffee one morning in the, in the foyer there. Really? Well, well, he was uh, he was mixing some of the stuff we recorded the day before. I just wrote the song in the in the little lounge area outside the studio and said, "Let's put this one on too." Okay, so, so what inspired that song then? Uh, Sometimes I don't even know what inspires a lot of songs. It was I wanted to write a song that was upbeat, but could be taken three ways. And if you listen to the lyrics in it, uh, it could have been that that lady in the song died of natural causes. Yes. Or something happened to her that wasn't her fault. Or someone that loved her may have done something to her. Hi. So I tried to make it into a... It could be taken any which way you want, but it's basically just about uh, someone that's haunting another person. Right. So, yeah, that's. I, I don't know where those inspirations come from. from. I really don't. Sometimes yeah. it's just there. So. Yeah, totally just understandable. But that's good songwriting, though. You know, where. Well, it's, it could be that my mind's just weird. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> could be that too. Could be that too. Combination. Yeah. Combination. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, though. Nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> a little weird is good. Yeah, you gotta have a little weird. Well, you gotta be a little crazy to be a songwriter, I think. You gotta oh, be able to yes. think of stories and everything. So. <laughs>
Like before you go out, um, you do a sound check with I'm a Little Teapot, and that goes over well. What started you doing that? <laughs> you got to tell me about that because I'm oh, really I curious. Just, I just have a really warped, goofy sense of humor. <laughs> it, sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. But it's just because you go through the motion sometimes, and it gets boring, and people aren't really into it. And if you just <laughs> come out there and sing, you see this big six foot three guy right. singing I'm a Little Teapot. <laughs> Uh, tends to break up the monotony, I suppose. Oh, I'm sure it does for sure. Grabs their attention for one thing. Yeah, you'll, you'll see sound guys dropping cables. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You just you gotta always have fun, and that's my main thing in life. Is to I, I like making people laugh too. So if yeah, you that's do that, always a good have thing. Have a good time at a show, and that's that's the main thing. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're a really good entertainer then, and your audience really enjoys just the shows you put on. Oh, I hope so. I appreciate if they do. And, uh, yeah, we just, once you go out there, you, what I was always told, it's, it's an old adage, but you play the same for one person or 10,000 people. So yes, that's what we always aim to do. And, and hopefully people respond to that. Well, I'm sure they do. And yeah, that's definitely the attitude to have because it's about the music. Absolutely. I mean, do you have any other little um, quirks or rituals that you do before you go on stage? Besides drinking the beers? Uh, (laughs) No, I'm not too bad. I I guess I have my little run through. Just before I play, I don't necessarily like talking to a bunch of people. I kind of like to have a little bit of a quiet space where you can 
you know, go over your guitar tunings and just kind of mentally prepare yourself. Uh, but other than that, I don't have any certain quirks, like at the touch of post here, there. <laughs> no, I'm pretty non-superstitious that way. As long right. as I can have a spot where I can just kind of mentally get my head in the game for the first few songs and mm-hmm. run through them with the band, I'm, other than that, I'm pretty, pretty easy going. So how is it like traveling with the band? It's fun. We all get along. Um, the ones that we, the shows we've done on longer distances, we, we all keep each other entertained and you have to, I mean, you're like a family for the yeah. most part and you don't see your family as much as you see the guys in the band. So right. you, you can, uh, you know, you, you play jokes on each other, you talk about whatever. Uh, you, you have fun. I mean, you, you can get to the point too sometimes where it's like, okay, just get me out of the band. But, um, <laughs> You know, I, I think if you have a right mix of character and a right uh, yin and yang, so to speak, in your yes. band, it works well. It's, the troubles I've always seen is when you get too many egos or oh. too many directors. <laughs> That's never yeah, a good thing. Seen, yeah, we've all seen that through history, how that works yes. out. So I'm very lucky with the guys that I play with that we're, uh, we're all on the same page. So Yeah, that good. really helps. That really, really helps. So has anything strange ever happened while y'all been on the road? Uh, well, there's a few stories. I'm not sure we could air them. Sure we can. Sure we can. <laughs> yeah, there's there's one that happened. Uh, we were in a hotel room when I was sleeping, and one of my uh, guitar players was in the next bed, and apparently it was a small little venue or small little town, and and the lady that around the hotel she was a big fan of the band and her friend wanted to come get some autographs and stuff in the in the morning after the show and it was i don't know probably eight or nine in the morning we had just got done we just got done the show probably like four o'clock in the morning by the time you pack up all yeah. your stuff and and get situated and get to bed and so i don't know how but she got the hotel room key no way and so oh my gosh. Just, I just know I heard the door kind of turn. I'm a light sleeper, and then the door swings open. There she is with like a shirt and a CD, and she's like, "Would you sign this for me?" And we're all just like, "What the hell are you doing in the room?" That's insane. <laughs> so I was, I got up and was in my gotch and signed her album <laughs> T-shirt and say, "Have a nice day." And oh, we gosh. just shoved a dresser in front of the bedroom door, so nobody could yeah. do that again. Oh, uh, yeah. Create a blockade. No more of that. Yeah. But it was kind of funny. She wasn't, you know, wasn't out to kill us or anything, thankfully. Oh, so. well, yeah. Thank good. goodness. <laughs> so how is your um, presence on social media? Where are you? And how can everybody find uh, you? I'm on, I'm on Facebook, obviously, at uh, www.facebook.com backslash Will Ardell. Uh, you can also go to... YouTube, which is www.youtube.com backslash Villardell. I'm also on Twitter, uh, Instagram. You can find me on there and follow me. And, of course, my website is willardell.com. Yes. If anybody's interested for booking or just to check out music, whatever. Where all is your music available? Most of it right now is all on iTunes or through my websites. That's where I sell it or at live shows. Um, there's download links on on the 
YouTube, or sorry, on the YouTube and on the Facebook pages if you want to download them on iTunes, et cetera. Okay, cool, because we definitely want everybody to come out and support you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, if they want, to, they want to download iTunes is the best bet. It's all on there, both albums. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, hope they enjoy it. Oh, they will. I mean, how could they not? <laughs> Tell me about your latest single, Breaking Fences. Really good song. Uh, that one was, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <clears throat> that one was that was written that was quite a few years ago. But it was it's basically just about uh, if you're going through any personal problems in life, uh, no matter what it is, where uh, you can't seem to get away from it, uh, or you're going through a, a situation you think is bad, and you just have to break away. And uh, sometimes when you're in in those environments, you can't you can't feel yourself being able to do that because you're deep down in a hole like depression or whatever. Yes. And uh, for me, it was just like a song to write for people that you can get out of it. Right. You, you can always. Everybody was born for something, mm-hmm. and never allow yourself to be penned in, in whatever you are in life. Your bringing your background. You're born for breaking fences. I always have to remember that. Yeah, that's a that's a great message, great song. I love it. And well, that's going to be on your upcoming album, right? Uh yeah. It was one of the first singles we released. We're still working on the album, uh, just through some bugs we've had this summer to try to get its stuff finished. But uh, yeah, it'll be on that album when it comes out. Well, good. But it's already on YouTube. There, people. It was like the first song we put out. So yes, uh, just to keep people guessing as well what else is coming <laughs> well yeah and we'll be waiting like anticipating anticipating good yes i like that <laughs> <laughs> anticipating what's next so you also recorded a unreleased album of covers what are some of the covers you did if you don't mind me asking uh we did we did gordon lightfoot sundown uh i don't know a couple other ones i guess were uh were Rita McNeil's Working Man. So there's two of them I'll give away on that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, they turned out beautiful. And, I'm and, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm actually really excited. We haven't finished it up. We're still going to be probably adding some more to that project. Oh, but cool. so, yeah, I basically got two projects going right now that <laughs> just need some completion. Yeah, busy man. Try to be. <laughs> Keeps you out of trouble, maybe. That's the truth. <laughs> So if you had to pick one song that was like most important or special to you, which one would it be? Out of my own? Yes, out of your or, own. Uh, I would have to say Make Me a Man. Yeah. Just because of the significance behind it, without question. Okay, what of out of um, someone else's songs? The one song when I first heard it uh, that completely blew me away was Jamie Johnson's In Color just the writing and the storytelling in that yes. and i remember hearing that specifically in the car that i was driving at the time and i was slowed the car down and i turned the radio up i was like this is a great song so I thought, that's one that i i still remember the last 10 years that had that effect on me oh gosh yeah that's a pretty major effect how have you maintained some normalcy and balance in your life between personal and professional uh, what I've learned is that you just have to turn the switch off a bit sometimes. 
and it's very hard. I went through a few years where I would go to bed thinking music, songs, writing shows, mm-hmm. and I'd wake up thinking the same thing, and it it starts taking a toll on you mentally because you become so focused on this that you start losing sight of. And at that time, I was in a relationship too, and yeah. it kind of had some cost on the relationship. So I've learned to start doing everything a little bit more in moderation, whereas set aside time to do your writing and your and all the other stuff, but also set time to like this afternoon going fishing. Just awesome. Forget it and go fishing, right? Yes. Do do some stuff that's fun and enjoyable, and just gets your mind to break from everything. Yeah. To me, that's. That's what you have to do, otherwise it becomes, it can wear you down. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it can. Yeah, because it seems like it'd be a very strenuous career and stressful in many ways. Yeah, especially when you're, you know, you're underground struggling artists like 90% of us are. You're, yeah. you're putting in the groundwork and the time and, and there's no rest for the wicked. So yeah, uh, you can very easily get caught up in that and, and not sleep and... That's just going to hurt you in the long run. So it's important to try to keep that balance. Yeah, it's very important. Very important. Um, so if there was one thing, I ask this of all my people on my show, uh, if there's one little quirk or something that people may not know about you, what would it be? Oh, geez. Well, <laughs> well here's one that's probably off left field. Okay, I good. once I once trained a robin to fly back and land on my shoulder. Did you really? How did you manage that? I was at the farm. I was I was probably like 16 or so. Yeah. And a big storm came through the night. In the morning, I went out there getting some stuff from our big hay shed, and I noticed there was a nest on the ground. <coughs> and there was uh, three robins in it, and, and one of them was alive, so I grabbed it and didn't have its eyes open yet, brought it Aww. back to the house, and... I had some night crawlers in the fridge because we fish all the time, right? So, <laughs> yes. So I uh, fed them some night crawlers, and of course the eyes weren't open yet. So by the time they did open up, it must have figured that I was the, the parent of, of the figure, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I would just give them, I would give a little whistle, and it would come back. And like once it got to the flying stages, it would come back, and it would land on my shoulder, and I'd give it a little piece of night crawler, and away it'd go again. Oh my gosh! And then it uh, ended up later in that fall. Uh, it ended up flying south because they migrated. Oh. And I kicked myself because I had a buddy who was a double major in biology, and so he should have got a, a collar on it, on it, put on its leg, because robins apparently will fly back to within a mile of where they were born to re-nest. Yes. So it would have been interesting to see if it made it back, made the trip back. But yeah, that's kind of a story that nobody knows about me. Ah, so. oh, that's so cute, though. She actually took the time, yeah. and yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, my mom still has pictures of it, or I think my mom does somewhere. Oh, I'm sure she does. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I'm sure she has pictures. I'm sure she does. <laughs> you know she does. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Along with other embarrassing photos, too, but yeah, I'm sure she has that one. Oh, yeah, we keep those under lock in the vault. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, it's been so great talking to you today, Will. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciated it.
Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of The Road Show. I had a great time talking to Will. Please be sure and follow all of his social media and go and support his music. Also, please follow me on Twitter. That's at Aaron underscore May, A-I-R-E-N underscore M-A-Y-E, and The Road Show at Roadshow Pod. And now to end the show, here's Will's latest single, Breaking Fences. Where I come from Where all the roads aren't paved with gold Paved with gold I have roamed the sovereign hills In my search for wealth untold Wealth untold Between the lines of love and hate To accommodate And be as one I was born for breaking fences Running wild, slave to the pavement A future of love and scars in my eyes Shot of bourbon and a cigarette have been the best friends that I've met. And where I lay my head's where I call home. I'm a gypsy soul. of society were never built to handle a man like me a man like me I once was young but now I'm tired aching bones here by the fire staring at these cold Born for breaking fences, running wild, slave to the pavement. A future of love and scars in my eyes. A shot of bourbon and a cigarette have been the best friends that I've met. And where I lay my head is where I call home. I'm a gypsy soul